Hi everyone, it's Kino here. Thanks so much for joining me on Seek Up, the yoga inspiration show. I am so grateful for you and grateful to you for tuning in and sharing this journey with me. I am overwhelmed with how many people come up to me and say that they're really enjoying this type of communication, teaching, and sharing. So thank you so much for being a part of this journey of yoga, this journey of spirituality, this journey of mindfulness, this journey of seeking wisdom. More than anything else, this is meant to support the seeker's journey, meant to support you on the path. If you find this series of teaching really beneficial, the way that you can support this series is to become a member of the Om Stars yoga community and practice. We have decided to make this series free and available to everyone so that no matter where you are in the world, you can get the teachings that will hopefully provide sustenance for the seeker's journey. And for those of you that can become a member and give your support, please know that I appreciate it. And I'll see you on the mat real soon. Hi, Swami. Oh. Thank you so much for joining. And thank you so much for having me yeah. again. And it's a pleasure to share space with you. Yes. And Same. Same. I'm excited for our conversation today. Yes, definitely. So... First of all, welcome to Miami. Thank you. Thank you. It's <laughs> lovely to see you in person. You. We went and had some juice together. That was yeah. great. And uh, there's a lot that I think we can dive into. And, you know, you're, like the heart of your teaching is very much centered in the Gita. And, yes. and I'd love for us to, to jump into that. Sure. But before we do, mm-hmm. I think it could be useful for people that are tuning in and for people that maybe don't have any kind of like background into who you are um, to maybe just talk about the first time you ever read the Gita. Wow. Okay. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's a beautiful story where um, a disciple goes to a teacher and Mm -hmm. says, I want to learn the Gita. Uh And the disciple looks at him and says, okay, before you learn the Gita, I want you to take this uh, bucket of uh, this bucket take it down to the river, fill it with water, and bring it back to me. Mm-hmm. So the disciple was given the bucket, and the bucket had holes. And so he goes to the, to the river, <laughs> fills it up, and by the time he comes to the guru, there's no more water. Yeah. So the, the disciple says, well, it has holes. Guru says, do it again. So he goes, he does it again, comes back, same thing. So he does this 10 times. So in these 10 times, every time, there's no water. <laughs> And so the disciple says, what are you making me do? Why do you keep making me go to the river, wasting my time when there's holes in the bucket? And the guru looked at him and he says, when I gave you that bucket, it was dirty. It was full of dirt. Now look at the bucket. It's completely clean. Mm. So for you, you've already created an attachment in your mind as to what it means to understand the Gita, what it means by the direction that I gave you. Mm-hmm. So it's my guru wants me to get this bucket, mm-hmm. brings it back with water. Mm-hmm. But the guru had a completely different intention behind the reason why he made you do it, right? So this is one of the things I realized is that when we approach a practice, we already have preconceived notions of what we're trying to achieve mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the guidance of, 
a teacher, uh, there's always a, a deeper understanding of why the people are doing the techniques that they're doing. And I'm sure you see that with Ashtanga mm. yoga as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Why they come and then how yeah. they evolve in their practices. Mm. And so in, in the same way, when uh, my guru first told me to read the Gita, I picked it up and I read it and I understood nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And I was like, what is this? I have no idea. Because in chapter one, it's just a lot of names. Yeah. So there's Dhritarashtra, Duryodhana, Bhishma. And I had no idea what any of these names were. But he said, keep reading it. So I read it. Then I read it again. Mm-hmm. Then I said, I'm finished. He said, read it again. So he made me read the Gita 10 times, mm-hmm. a big book, not a small book mm-hmm. with commentary. Uh-huh. And all 10 times, I had no idea what, like, what was going on. Someone were to ask me, what have you read? I said, no idea. Because <laughs> the Gita is not just like a Harry Potter book uh-huh. or something that you pick up in the world. It has a divine quality associated with it. And even though you might not understand with your mind what you're reading, subconsciously it's having a huge impact on you. Mm. And we see that with a lot of very traditional scriptural practices mm-hmm. is that even though you might not know what's going on externally, it's having a huge impact internally and preparing yourself to go deeper into his understanding. Mm. So what was really beautiful about my teacher is that he gave me the experience before he taught me the actual Gita. Mm -hmm. So I started to feel a lot of what was spoken about the Gita, but only five, 10 years later Mm -hmm. that I say, oh my gosh, what Arjuna was going through, that's what I was going through. Uh-huh. Or, oh, wow, in this chapter, this happened, but I had experienced it already before. Yeah. So there is a strength that comes from going into it, which will help you to walk the path, and the path will reveal deeper elements of the Gita. Mm. And so after reading it 10 times or so, <laughs> he uh, finally allowed me to start speaking about it mm. to a few people. So 10 times and then many years, seven years of reading the Gita, going deeper, he said, okay, you can start to teach the Gita. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, wow, now I get to teach the Gita. Super excited. Yeah. So we had planned that uh, my first talk would be in Switzerland. Uh-huh. And so there was a small group there that had invited me to come. And so I told my guru, you know, I'm going to Switzerland. He's like, okay, nice, you know, have fun. Let's see how it goes. And so I go to Switzerland. It's a group of 10, 15 people. I start talking about the Gita. I start talking about it, uh, not being attached mm-hmm. to the results of your action, performing duty without um, uh, aversion and attraction, seeing success and failure with an even mind. Mm-hmm. So I start saying all of these beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And everybody's looking at me, and I think they're enjoying it. And I leave. And uh, the ashram was located in Frankfurt, Germany, uh-huh. and this was in Switzerland. And uh, usually you take a train. Yeah. And uh, so I'm in the train and I'm in a booth by myself and there's some other people and there's huge windows. And I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I know, I did a great job. <laughs> I can't wait to go tell my guru about how I taught the Gita. <laughs> so as we're going, the train comes to a stop at a local village. And I look out of the village and there's an old lady sitting there. And she's a homeless lady Mm. and she has a skin disease. Mm. So her skin is sort of peeling off. And immediately when I looked at her, I felt aversion. Mm -hmm. 
said, oh, this is not nice. Mm. Exactly the opposite of what mm. I was teaching three hours <laughs> earlier. Rise above attraction and aversion. Immediately I feel aversion. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, I hope she doesn't come on the bus. The moment I think that, she stands up and comes, goes on the bus. Then in my head, I'm thinking, I hope she doesn't sit in my booth. The moment I think that, everybody stands up and leaves. And she comes and sits next to me. <laughs> so in this moment, she's, you know, there's a certain smell, there's a certain feeling of aversion. And we talk about the Gita is about loving unconditionally, mm. right? So loving unconditionally doesn't mean you have to give money. Mm -hmm. You can pray, you mm. can be there, mm. you can ask, can you have some water? Anything to make the other person feel better. Mm. So I could have just sat there and I could have chanted my mantra. Mm -hmm. And I could have prayed that she feels better. So many things I could have done that the Gita teaches. But what I did was I got up and I left. Because mm. I didn't want to stay where she was. And I was sitting in the other booth. And the next stop, I see her come out and leave. Mm. And in this moment, I thought to myself, oh, you know, I, I think I really messed up. And I arrive in the ashram. And my guru is waiting. We're having dinner together. He said, so what happened to you on the train? And I said, Guruji, you know, I, I shared this story. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, this is the problem. Many people speak the Gita, but no one lives the Gita. Yeah. You can say a hundred beautiful words about the Gita, but if you don't live it, then you're not really teaching it. But if mm. you live it, just a few words will have an impact on so many people. Mm. And he said, that person was the Divine Mother. She mm. came to bless you, and you were not able to see it because of your mm. arrogance. So next time, try better. <laughs> so yeah. that was a great lesson for me <laughs> in humility and, and teaching yeah. the Gita. Oh, absolutely. And to go from, you know, there's, there's so much there and so many, so many similar lessons, right? Mm -hmm. So this is also the teaching of Jesus that says, exactly. you know, what you do to the least among us is exactly. what you do to me. Exactly. And so many times we do that. We're exactly. too busy to reach across the aisle and exactly. give a smile. We're too busy to treat others with humanity, especially those who are suffering, whose suffering is a mirror to our own discomfort. You know, and so it's very difficult in that moment to think about well, what can I do to be of love in this moment, rather than and then and then and to straddle that space of how can I be of love in this moment and of service and not have it go into kind of an ego feeding moment, right? Yeah, it's a spiritual pride. Mm -hmm. Because then it's like, oh, look how good I was, and it becomes this saviorism mentality of you know I'm the most holy of all, and then it's this badge that's kind of worn yeah. and. I think it's amazing that your guru was able to immediately... Well, it said the guru is a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> They're a hammer to your, your desires. <laughs> so I, I thought was, you were going to say the ego, but I guess it's the same. It's, sure, yeah. The ego is, <laughs> is puffed by the desires. But yeah, the, 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 the guru is the hammer to the ego. And you know, I had the chance to live with the guru for 10 years. And it was like living next to a fire. Uh -huh. Because in any moment, the hammer was always there. And sometimes it was really difficult, mm. very, very difficult. Mm. There's one, one time where it was just too much. And I looked at him, I said, it's too much. And he said, observe when I am hard with you. 
He said, I only do it when that arrogance or that pride starts to come up. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing is that he was able to perceive the root before it even started to grow. Mm -hmm. So he already understood before it consciously, I was even aware of it, mm -hmm. that those roots were, were, bringing, were coming up. So he was already stopping it there. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, it was, it was difficult, mm -hmm. but also hugely transformative. Mm -hmm. I could see that because it's like you're not even aware of this own exactly. sort of arising within yourself and it's exactly. already being stamped down. So exactly. you're like, what am I even doing wrong? Exactly. I don't understand. Exactly. You know, um, what, a, what a, 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 a beautiful expression of both the grace of finding a teacher and also the grace of studentship, yes. right? Yes. Because exactly. the, the, this element of the student's process being integral to their own awakening is yes. something that I feel needs a bit more kind of nuance and it's something that's in the Gita as well because it's not Absolutely. just Krishna Absolutely. speaking <laughs> it's this relationship between yeah. Arjuna and his teacher yeah and you know and all, we see this with Arjuna in the first chapter he's saying I don't want to fight right right and he's using the rationalization of yeah. the mind and it's the same when you're with the guru you say, Guruji, I'm not really prideful, I'm not this, I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And Krishna saw the outcome of what would happen mm -hmm. if Arjuna left the battlefield. Mm -hmm. he, thought to, he said to him, what do you think is going to happen when you leave? Mm -hmm. You think those warriors are just going to say, oh, you know what, have a good time. Yeah. Like, don't worry, Arjuna, we're never going to bother you again. No, they're going to keep coming back to him. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep attacking him. Mm -hmm. So Arjuna cannot escape. He has to embrace it and go through it. Mm -hmm. And so Krishna is already seeing a larger conclusion, outcome, that Arjuna is not able to see mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. But the beautiful thing about Arjuna is that in chapter 2, verse 7, he acknowledges it. He says, my heart is overcome by weakness. Mm -hmm. My mind is confused about my duty. Mm -hmm. I urge you to tell me clearly what is good for me. Mm -hmm. I take refuge in you, please teach me. Mm -hmm. So there's that humility yeah. where at the first chapter, it's all Arjuna rationalizing this and that. Then he comes to a point where he's like, okay, I don't know. Mm -hmm. My heart is overcome by weakness. Mm -hmm. I'm confused. I believe you can help me, so please teach me. Mm -hmm. So that also has to be there, that mm -hmm. humility mm -hmm. to give yourself to something greater than yourself mm -hmm. that has the potential to transform you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be uh, um, a living guru. It doesn't have to be that. It could even be a scripture. It mm -hmm. can even be a practice mm -hmm. to let the practice guide and uplift you. Mm -hmm. uh, but you need to have a little bit of faith in that. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned that because what I was going to ask you next is, what about people that don't have the grace of a guru? You know, mm. someone's out there and they say, yes, I am Arjuna. I am weak of mind and lost and confused. Who can help me? And they don't have a guru. And they continually look and then they get more and more confused the more they look. So what about this person who is sincerely searching but doesn't have the grace of the guru? So it is said that when the Atma, so it's not the person, but it's the Atma mm -hmm. inside, after years and years and years of suffering, mm. is calling out to the divine saying, please help me, mm -hmm. help me to realize who I am again. And the moment the Atma starts to call out, it's like a beacon. And that beacon is the signal that the Guru's 
listen to and hear, and then they come. Mm-hmm. So there has to be this deep longing within oneself mm-hmm. to want to transform, to want to change. And if that longing is there, the beacon will be lit, and something will come into your life. Mm-hmm. You must have that faith that if the longing is sincere enough, there will be something, some book, some person, some teacher that will come to ignite that mm-hmm. path. It will always be there. Mm-hmm. Once the beacon is sent from the atma, mm-hmm. but the thing is, we have to want to change. Mm. And a lot of us actually, we might say, "I want to teach you, I want to change," but in reality, we really don't. And we call this um, the cafe on the cliff. The cafe on the cliff. Yeah. So essentially, what that means <laughs> is that you come to the edge of the cliff, okay. and you know that you need to jump. You know that you need to change, mm-hmm. but that change. Is very unknown to you, right? So when Arjuna was looking at his enemies, these represent our negative qualities or some mm-hmm. scars, mm-hmm. but they're just as much a part of us as our positive qualities. Those negative elements, we've lived with them our whole life. We've carried with them with us for many lives. So it's fun to say, "Yeah, I want to let go of my negative qualities." But when it really comes to it, it's very scary because mm-hmm. you're also letting go of who you are. And for many people that progress deeper and deeper on the spiritual path, that becomes a very scary proposition mm-hmm. to even let go of those limitations. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like you're jumping into the unknown. So the cliff is that moment where you say, "I want to change," mm-hmm. but when you look down, you see the unknown. But you have to jump. But before you jump, what you say is, you know what? Before I jump, I'm just going to have a chai. <laughs> just, just let me have one chai. I'm ready to do it. I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to have a chai. So you drink the chai and you talk about all of the reasons why you want to jump. The next thing you know, hours goes by. You're like, you know, okay, I'm a bit hungry. Let me have a croissant. So you start eating a croissant at the edge of the cliff, talking about jumping, but still engaging with chai and croissant. And then you get tired, so you sit down. You have a table. Then next thing you know, other people are coming to the cliff, and they're looking down. They see you with the tea and croissant. They come and sit down next to you, and now you've created a cafe where people are sitting, drinking chai, eating croissant, talking about wanting to jump, but never actually doing it.、Mm. So that's why we call it the cafe on the cliff. <laughs> so in that way, there has to be a sincere. Want to change, and if that is there, something will come into your life.、Mm-hmm. You have to trust in that.、Mm-hmm. You know, I was an investment banker; I was nothing to do with spirituality,、mm-hmm. but something awakened,、mm-hmm. and that brought the book Autobiography of a Yogi to me, and、mm-hmm. that sent me on my journey.、Mm-hmm. And in the Gita, also we see that Arjuna is not going to be allowed to just sit on the edge of a cliff. Krishna is going to come, knock the tea out of his hand, remove the croissant, and. Literally kick him off the cliff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, longing will naturally bring about、mm. transformational tools that will、mm. help you to grow. I like the recognition 
of not necessarily having it be the form that you think it will be. Yes. You know, this idea of like, I want a guru, I want a guru, I want a guru. Yes. Just like when we've created this picture perfect yes. image of the guru yes. in our mind. Yes. And so we're like, oh, I want this guru, I want this guru. Yeah. When actually it may have been a book that was on display Absolutely. that could have been the next step in your Absolutely. journey. Absolutely. And then you miss that because you had this image in your mind of what you should be looking for yes. and it should look like this. Yes. So then we never, we kind of miss the sign that are all around us that would gently be, you know, guiding us on our, on our journey. I feel like in that place of longing, it's almost like the teaching is shy at first. Yes. You know, it doesn't... It's a beautiful way of putting it. it. It's kind of like we have to be very sensitive to be able to pick up on those small signals. Then it gets louder and louder and louder as we start to become attuned to it. And I almost feel like it's the first test. You know, are you going to be able to pick up on the subtle cue that there's this teaching available, like you picked up Autobiography of a Yogi, Mm -hmm. or there's someone that you Mm -hmm. could talk to in a cafe or on a train or something Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. that could be your next step that would lead you into the Guru's arms. Are you going to pick up on that? It's almost like this, you know, our our spiritual path, our our guides in that sense are testing us in some way. And if we just plow past it and we're like, no, I'm waiting for, you know, the Buddha to walk in chanting as he yeah. walks in and then only I'll acknowledge, you know. Some people say, well, if Jesus Christ walked into the room, then I'd, you know, acknowledge his presence. And you're like, yeah, well... You probably wouldn't even recognize <laughs> Except him. Except the other thing. Because he's probably going to do things that are going to challenge your mind in ways. <laughs> you're like, okay, no, thank you. Yeah. I'll go back to the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the image that I have in my mind of what things should be. Exactly. And, you know, it's, um, it's like, well, what is great? right mm. so those small moments is like we can count those as grace too you hit the nail on the head grace is the ability to recognize these golden moments in our lives mm. and that's a mystery because there's so many variables at play we have some scars that we've been cultivating through lives and those some scars might not be able to uh, perceive certain elements of grace when they come but sometimes it just happens Mm-hmm. Right? Something happens, boom, you start to go into it. And next thing you know, your whole life is transformed. Yeah. And so it's this idea, like you said, first it's shy. And you have to be comfortable in going a bit into the unknown. Mm. And I had mentioned this earlier in our last podcast. You have to be a bit of a gambler. <laughs> right? you, have to, you have to put your chips in without necessarily knowing the outcome Mm. and be okay also if you lose Mm. and to get back to the table and put your chips in again and keep playing. Mm. And if you have that quality and that sincerity, you will find your way. You will find the things that will help you to grow. And the the difference between, say, gambling the money that's in your bank account Mm -hmm. and gambling on the spiritual path is you really do have an inexhaustible source of energy. So it's like, look, I I did this. I failed. I messed up. Well, you know what? I can try again. Exactly. I can try again. I can try again. We're not, you don't go spiritually bankrupt, you know, unless you (laughs) give up. It's within your capability to keep trying and keep trying. So you shared your story and I have of the, you know, uh, how you wished you'd recognize the divine mother on the, on the train. And, you know, we all have thousands of stories of how, well, gosh, in that moment, I could have done better. I should have done better. Well, it's not over. You can, Try again. We get Absolutely. to restart. Absolutely. And, and um, 
So now, years after that train ride, <laughs> how do you work with the, the sort of human proclivities that come up, attachment and aversion? What's your real-world application of the teaching today as you embody it in present time? It's a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. It's a lifelong journey. There's a saint that says you work, 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 and then it's done. Mm -hmm. And so it's the idea that actually the deeper you go into your spiritual path, the more you uncover the deeper samskaras that were not so present in the earlier stages of mm -hmm. um, your spiritual path. It's like Arjuna, when he was looking at the warriors on the other side, there was three million soldiers. And those three million soldiers represent all of our negative samskaras. Mm -hmm. And the war is 18 days. Mm -hmm. So the battle after the Gita lasted for 18 days. And every day it got harder for Arjuna. Every day he wanted to quit. So as he was getting closer to the finish line, the harder and harder and harder it became. The, 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 the biggest challenge was actually on the 17th day of the war, where he almost lost. Only through the grace of Krishna he was able to, to go through. So what happened there? Oh, it's a long story with Karna, who was one of the warriors. Uh -huh. and he. Um, he had fired an arrow at, uh, at Arjuna, which was supposed to be an unstoppable arrow. He had received the blessing that nobody would be able to escape it. So in that moment, the Arjuna was shot at Ar uh, sorry, the arrow was shot at Arjuna. It was coming exactly to hit Arjuna. And in this moment, what Krishna did was he, he hit the, the, the horses in such a way that they jumped up and down and the wheels of the chariot sunk three inches. So when they sunk, the arrow knocked the crown of Arjuna's head, but did not kill him. <laughs> so it's this idea of grace and effort. So Arjuna said, okay, you're making your effort, or sorry, Krishna said, you're making your effort, you're fighting this war, but there are gonna be some samskaras that you're not gonna be able to overcome yourself. <laughs> no matter how hard you try, you will not be able to overcome it. Mm -hmm. That is where grace comes in. Mm -hmm. right? Some things we can do with our own effort, but some things is beyond even our control. Mm -hmm. So the last part was that grace, mm -hmm. where Krishna says, okay, I will intervene a little bit in the law of karma, <laughs> just a little bit mm -hmm. to help you to get to where you are. Mm -hmm. So in that way, I've noticed that as we go deeper in the path, that samskaras are actually more and more prevalent and deeper and deeper to let go of because mm -hmm. there are grooves in our consciousness mm -hmm. that we have cultivated for thousands of lives. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I came to, um, the, to the United States, I, I was saying bye to my guru and we had our last conversation together and uh, he looked at me and he said, you have to be clear what you want. You have to be, when you go out, when you leave this ashram, when you go to New York City and do those things, you have to be clear as to what you want. If you were not, if you were not clear, you would have just wasted 10 years of your life with me. But if you are clear, in two years time, things will be good. So he's, he told me, two years, it's going to be very difficult for you. Mm -hmm. But be clear, and in two years, things will work out. Mm. The same with Arjuna. Krishna did not say the battle is going to be easy mm -hmm. or fun. He said, but if you engage, you will prevail. Mm -hmm. So I came here, 
And uh, a lady had uh, invited me to spend, um, um, in, uh, hosted me in New York City, mm-hmm. where I could do my own chantings and talks and things. But before I went to New York City, I wanted to meet my mother again because I had not been back to where she was for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And at an early age, I had a, a stepfather, um, her husband, who was an alcoholic. And mm-hmm. so at a very early age, I left home and I went and I did my own thing and I was working in investment banking and I never spoke to him for almost 20 years. Mm. And so after 20 years of being with my groom, I came to the apartment that she was staying at and he was there. Mm. And the first night I was there, he gets completely drunk and starts eating beef and everything in front of me. And you can imagine, right, living in an ashram with monks and going into that reality, having no money, I couldn't just be like, I'm going to leave and go stay at a Holiday Inn. Right? I had to be there. So in this moment, I lost my temper. Mm. I said, you know, I've been seeing you for 20 years, but you still have not changed. You're the same person. And I became very angry. And he just looked at me and he said, if you don't like it, you can leave. But I had nowhere to go. So I had to stay. So I went into my room and I was like, what am I doing here? I want to be back in the ashram. I don't want to be here. And in this moment, my guru calls Mm. and he says, how's it going? And I said, Guruji, I can't do this. I can't be here. And he's like, what is happening? And I told him about my, my stepfather. And he said, if you don't learn to love those that are close to you, How are you ever going to love everybody else? How can you speak about unconditional love if you can't love the people there in your life now? Mm. So unconditional love doesn't mean saying everything is good. This is good. This is a good habit. Mm -hmm. But it's also not about becoming angry. Mm -hmm. It's about just sharing that love Mm -hmm. and letting that love transform the people. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, it was a huge lesson And then from that moment on, I would go and visit my mom once a while. And every time I was there, I would just send love to -hmm. him. And over the last two years, I stopped drinking alcohol, Hmm. stopped eating meat, started to do the practices. And the last time I went back to the ashram, he actually offered to drive me there. And when he was dropping me off, he said, do you mind just saying hi to your guru and ask for his blessing? (laughs) So all of this transformation happened, not because I forced anybody, Mm -hmm. but it was the love. But the reason I said this is because even if you grow to higher spiritual heights, there will always be Mm -hmm. some some samskaras that are so deep rooted Mm. that we don't know that they exist till life brings it in front Mm -hmm. of us. Yeah, life, especially family too. You know, what's this expression? You can be, you know, a guru in another city and you're still the same same boy yeah. in your hometown. Yes, yes. <laughs> if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your family. Yeah. I think Ram Dass said that. Exactly. <laughs> no, but this is that mirror on the samskaras, you know? Yeah. The mirror on these very deep, deep samskaras. These are individuals that we've incarnated with in family patterns that are kind of aggregating patterns. So we have the patterns within ourselves, but then yeah. they are also having the patterns and that we're aggregating and multiplying the patterns all together, right? It's very uh, difficult. Yeah, very, very difficult, you know? And to break free of that is is kind of, it's a heroic 
Yes, it takes a lifetime of effort. Mm-hmm. That's why he had told my, mm-hmm. my Guruji had told me be clear. Because mm-hmm. in that moment, okay, what am I doing here in the United States mm-hmm. to share unconditional love? Mm-hmm. So I always went back to that clarity. Every time I had struggles, I always went back to that, mm-hmm. and that was sort of my compass that allowed me to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. But for so many of us, we don't have that. Yeah, no compass. We're kind of like rats in a rat race, mm-hmm. just guided by cheese.、Mm-hmm. And without that compass, it becomes very difficult、yeah. to make the difficult choices、mm-hmm. when we know that we shouldn't become more entangled. Because、mm-hmm. in the Gita,、um, Krishna also says, material action driven by desire is like nectar in the beginning, but ends in poison. Mm. But spiritual action is like poison in the beginning, but ends in nectar. Yeah. So if we don't have a compass, we're obviously always going to gravitate towards material gratification.、Mm-hmm. We get that momentary pleasure,、mm-hmm. but over the long period, that's only going to bring more suffering.、Mm-hmm. But the spiritual path requires difficult decisions、mm-hmm. that does not have an immediate result,、yeah. but over time it will free us and bring us more peace. Even more delusional if someone thinks that the cheese is their compass. You know? There you go. <laughs> And this is the thing, you know. People think we have we we make decisions, but our decisions are actually、mm-hmm. based on our samskaras.、Yeah. If I take a cheese and I put it here, I can make the rat in a maze go that way.、Mm-hmm. The rat might think it has atomic. Uh, atom- uh, Um, free, like free decision making,、yeah. but it's just being guided by the the,、uh-huh. the cheese, by the desire. We are like that in so many ways. That says, you know,、uh, contemporary neuroscience says that by the time a person is 35 years old,、mm-hmm. the vast majority of our decisions, behaviors, and speech are automated, and you know. Like deeply imprinted into the hardwiring、yes. of our brains, and that only people who make a concentrated effort to update the the biological capacity of their brains、exactly. have the potential to think new thoughts. So this、exactly. is this is the idea of the the difficulty、mm-hmm. of the spiritual path. You know、yes. the difficulty I, of this. It's so difficult. And Vedic astrology. There was a, a, a great Vedic astrology teacher that was interviewed, and they were asked,、um, "Can you look at a birth chart?" And pretty much determine what will happen in somebody's life.、Mm. And the astrologer said, "Yeah, 99% of the time, I can look at the chart based on when they were born. They have certain samskaras and karmas, and I could say, 'Okay, you're going to be married at this point. You're going to be divorced at this point. You're going to do this, this, and that.' I can do all of that. But he said there is actually one percent of charts that I cannot read." And those charts are the ones where, by some mystery or grace, a spiritual practice has entered their life,、mm-hmm. and they have embraced it.、Mm-hmm. And when they have embraced it, their whole destiny changes. So, for the one who has embraced the spiritual path, I'm not able to read. But if you've not, then I can easily tell you what's going to happen in your life. Wow, I love that. This idea of the difficulty of that is evidenced in that ratio. You know, ninety-nine to one.、Yeah. When we think about that, and this, like the the neuroscience concepts of you know neuroplasticity, of we can change our brains, don't、mm-hmm. talk about how difficult it actually is. Yes, yes,、you know? and all of the spiritual practices in Vedic tradition is frequency.、Mm-hmm. It's、uh, all changing vibration. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant frequency, like you have to repeat over and over oh, yes, again. Oh yes, yeah. 
that too. Yes, yes, yeah. Of course, frequency, but it's all the vibrational changes that yeah, are happening within you. Exactly. Yeah, which are thoughts, because thoughts, you know, we think this thought and it creates this vibration and we can feel the energy around us. So when, I want to go back to that moment when you realize, oh, I'm not acting in love, mm. because so much of what we do in our lives is act, mm. right? So when we act with attachment mm -hmm. versus when we act with non-attachment, mm. how do we actually know mm. the difference? What is a truly selfless act? That's, that, that can take a whole lifetime to figure out. Because <laughs> there are all these different layers, yes. right? There's all these layers. So we call this Dharma Sankata. Mm -hmm. So Dharma Sankata essentially is translated to a moral dilemma. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, an easy one is there's a train on a train track, it's going. Uh, there's a person that is on the train track. If you pull the, tr uh, the lever, the, chain, the train changes, but it kills a hundred people. Mm -hmm. If you don't pull the tr uh, lever, the train kills that one person. Mm -hmm. And you have given the choice of what to do. Mm -hmm. This is a Dharma Sankata. It has wow. no external right or wrong answer. Because no matter what decision you make, they will require some type of sacrifice from mm -hmm. you. And the Dharma Sankata of Arjuna is if he engages, he's going to kill. But if he engages, he's also able to get back his kingdom. So on the, on, in life, actually, there is no right or wrong answer to any decision we make. There will always be a Dharma Sankata, a moral dilemma where you're giving up something. So, for example, if I come to Miami, I have to give up my time in the ashram. Mm -hmm. But if I stay in the ashram, then I won't be here doing the podcast with you. <laughs> so it's a Dharma Sankata, <laughs> right? And so most of us engage in these Dharma Sankatas from the mind and the ego. Mm -hmm. So we engage based on our limitations. So fears, anxieties, greed, lust uh, affect our ability to navigate the Dharma Sankata in the right way. But if you do it from a space of the heart, you're going to navigate it in a way where you're not going to create new karmic entanglements. Mm -hmm. So the right way to do a Dharma Sankata is where you don't create karmic entanglement. Mm -hmm. But of course, we're not able to understand that. Mm -hmm. right? How will we know if an action is creating entanglement or not? And so the best way is Either you have a guidance of a spiritually enlightened being, somebody like a Krishna mm -hmm. that says to Arjuna, don't think about your Dharma Sankata, it's to fight. Mm -hmm. right? I'm telling you and yeah. boom, move <laughs> forward. Right? So if we don't have that, then in the early stages, we will not know. It will be almost impossible. But as we do the practices intuitively, you'll feel more and more what the right decisions are mm -hmm. and your mind won't be as bothered. bothered. Mm -hmm. So it won't be anything external. It will be all in your mind state. You'll find more peace mm -hmm. and calm and serenity when you take certain decisions. Mm -hmm. And you'll know, okay, that was the right decision. Mm -hmm. But if you take a decision and you feel flustered or anxious or unsure, then that's going to be a decision that's probably more based on the ego mm -hmm. or desire gratification. So it's all about emotionally, how you're feeling and reacting to a decision that you're making. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and moment by moment, that's very difficult because what's difficult. what's sort of placed up against the scales of, well, when I do this, I feel more peaceful, and then when I do this, I, I feel more anxious, or all of our samskaras, and yes. all of our desires. Yes. So we have the desire for the thing that makes us feel anxious, yes. and then we have aversion towards the thing that makes us, or judgment towards exactly. the thing that makes us feel, feel exactly. peaceful, or we misidentify, exactly. and we think, oh, well, I feel peaceful when I'm in bed, so I guess I should have no job. Yeah. So this is like Arjuna saying, you know, I quit, yeah, I won't yeah, fight. Yeah. And then we think, well, that's my dharma. I feel really happy when I'm in bed. Yeah. So let me just sleep all day, right? It's yeah. you're delusional. That's true. So this clear sight is something that like, I think it's true. The spiritual path gives us that ability yeah. to pause and reflect, yes. pause and reflect, yes. pause and reflect. And it may take many, many errors to make the right decision. Exactly. It will take many years and many decisions. Like I said with my stepfather, you know, mm. you make a wrong decision, mm. you see, okay, these are the things that came up, let me try better the next time. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of Vedic tradition is that there is no um, free lunch, right? Mm -hmm. There is no, I go somewhere, I do this, I become enlightened. Mm -hmm. You've been given techniques, you've been given your Ashtanga practices, you've been given your meditation, you do that every single day over many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, that clarity will awaken more in you. You'll mm -hmm. be able to navigate your dharma sankatas in a better way. Mm -hmm. And so it's just about preparing ourselves more and more to go into our heart. Mm -hmm. And a, a simple one right now, if people are asking like, what can I do right now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would suggest if you're faced with the dharma sankata, do a meditation practice for five, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about sort of um, any type of um, issues or anything in your mind. Just do the meditation. And once you stop, the first thought that arises is your intuition. Mm. So if you have a Dharma Sankata, reflect, meditate, and the first thought is your heart speaking. Mm -hmm. Everything else after that is the mind rationalizing, mm -hmm. justifying, and, mm -hmm. and carrying you away. Mm -hmm. So you can try practicing that. Mm -hmm. That will help you. Mm -hmm. But then uh, the listener should engage in some type of daily practice, Ashtanga practice. Mm -hmm. It's something that they can um, help us to get more and more connected to the intuition. Mm, I love that because there is this kind of recognition that the intelligence is within. Yes. And it's this idea of if we look back in those moments when we've made those stupid yes. decisions, you yes. know, those things that have led us down the road yes. of more suffering, those decisions where we want to, you know, if I could do it again, I want to do better. Yeah. If we look back, at least for me, I feel like in moments when I've made those decisions, there was something, perhaps higher consciousness, yes. that was there kind of recognizing that it wasn't the good decision. Yes. And it was there in the background, yes. but not loud enough for me to follow it. It was, it was shy in a, a world of loud voices, and exactly. I, I wasn't ready to, to listen in that moment, exactly. you know? Exactly. So, and I think that's an important kind of acknowledgement for people that are saying, well, I don't have a guru, I mm. don't have Krishna mm. telling me exactly mm. what to do. Is that, well, that, that, that intelligence is within. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and, and we have to get better at finding it. Yes. Yes. You know? It's said that there's only two ways to grow spiritually, suffering or grace. Uh -huh. So if you don't take advantage mm -hmm. of the grace, suffering will come. Mm -hmm. And it's a great teacher. And you'll mm -hmm. learn. And you will grow. Mm -hmm. So there's opportunities to grow will always be there. Mm -hmm. But suffering is a beacon. Mm -hmm. 
that that wakes up the atma and mm. says, "Wake up and make the decision. Take the decision." Mm. The, the the analogy that we use in the Vedas is called um, it's a chariot, mm-hmm. and in the chariot you have the five horses, which represent the five senses. You have the reins, which represents the ego. You have the chariot driver that represents our higher wisdom, our intellect, and then you have the the passenger who represents the atma. Mm. So the 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 relationship between the passenger and the driver is the relationship between the atma and the intellect. The mm. atma's consciousness guides the intellect in the right way, but it's almost like a Wi-Fi signal. Mm-hmm. If the Wi-Fi is not there. Then the atma is not able to guide the intellect, and the mm-hmm. intellect has nowhere how nowhere to to go. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that this chariot is driving in the middle of the night, and the driver keeps looking back at the atma for direction, mm-hmm. like where am I? Where am I? Where do I need to go? And the atma has fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. So without any direction, the driver lets go of the reins. So when the reins are free, when the ego is free. The reins just allow the senses to engage in material desire, and the horses just go here and there, and we completely go off track. But when the atma awakens, then it guides the intellect. The intellect grabs the reins and guides the body in the right direction.、Mm. But that atma awakening, grace, <laughs> or so much suffering. <laughs> That it's like a water. It's like a bucket of cold water that is splashed on the atma,、yeah. and it's like, okay, I need to awake. I need to take control of my life、yeah. and move in the right <laughs> way. Too bad, you know. I could see that image. You know, the、mm. the sleeping passenger when the ride gets bumpy enough. Yes, that's another good. There, they've got to wake up. There you、right? go.、Perfect. So many people who've who've struggled with、mm. um, severe difficulties in their lives, whether addiction or trauma,、mm. I feel that these individuals are drawn to the spiritual path,、mm. and perhaps because they have suffered to、mm. such a degree,、yeah. and that this suffering creates that yearning, and they, they've had that bumpy ride already, and and that these individuals that the ride is perhaps too smooth so far.、Yes. There's not this kind of motivation. Yes.、Uh, to to awaken,、yes. and then action taken from that state. So let's talk about about action because I feel like we act in the world constantly.、Mm-hmm. We're here. We're taking action here.、Mm-hmm. We're you know we we took an action to arrive here. We will act in some way to leave. So there's small actions that we take moment by moment, and then there are bigger actions that we take. We decide that you decide to come to New York and set up an ashram. We make a decision to leave your old life. You know, I made a decision to leave everything to go to India to be with my teacher, and we make these decisions. We take action. So there's this idea that that you know Arjuna is acting every time、mm. he fires a bow,、mm. you know.、Mm. So this action that we、mm. take,、yes. and 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 sometimes when people think about what yoga is,、yeah. and they read other scriptures besides、mm-hmm. the Gita about yoga,、mm-hmm. they almost think that yoga is sort of this very you know pacified kind、mm. of philosophy、mm. of well, oh, well, yoga is just、mm. to、uh, be peaceful.、Mm. To be non-violent、mm. and almost to take no action,、mm. but the Gita seems to be giving us a, a, a tool in、yes. how to act moment、yes. by moment. Yes. So, yes. W- w- how does the how does that come into play?、Mm-hmm. Like, what is wh- what does what does yoga mean、mm. within the context of of, of action? action.、Yes. So, you know, it's very beautiful in chapter two, verse forty-seven. Krishna says, "You have a right to act, but not to the fruits of that action,"、mm. which means that you have to act. But do not be attached to the results of your action.
And then many people quote that, but then they ignore the other part, which is you also should not avoid action. Right? He says it very clearly. You should not avoid action. Even that is wrong. It's not being spiritual means you give up action, you go into a cave. Right? So it's about embracing action. So if we look at the Gita, what's really beautiful is that Arjuna is in a difficult situation. Right? He has to engage in an 18-day war. There's millions of soldiers about to kill him. Krishna does not say to him, I'm going to give you a, manifesting, a manifestation mantra where you can, you can say this mantra and you create a new reality. Right? You manifest yourself a new reality. <laughs> where now you are in the beach somewhere and you are uh, serving juice to people and that's your life. No, that's the beauty of Vedic tradition. There is no idea of manifesting yourself out of the reality that has been given to you in that moment. Krishna says you will have to fight. I'm not gonna, there's no easy way out of this. But the key is that I will teach you how to embrace what you are doing. So this is the, this is the word embrace. Mm. Embrace action fully. Because what happens is, let's say you are uh, given the role of Romeo in Romeo and Juliet, okay? And let's say somebody says to you, um, actually in this play, you're actually going to die, right? You're not, you're not an actor, you're actually gonna die, right? You will die as Romeo when the play is finished. How do you think that person is going to play that role the entire time? Mm. With fear, anxiety, worry, because they think, oh my God, I'm going to die. Mm. They're not going to be able to fully embrace the role of Romeo. Mm. But when you know that you're not going to die, and that is certain that you are eternal, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to love this. I'm going to go into the emotions. I'm going to cry. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to play a great role. So for most of us, we don't embrace action. Because there's always a part of us, there's anxieties and fears and uncertainties. And therefore, we're not going to be able to do it properly. Mm. If Arjuna is always afraid, his, his hand will be shaking as he puts the bow in the arrow. If his hand is shaking, how is he going to be able to fire it properly? Mm. So here, the Vedic tradition does not give you a way out of the action, but teaches you how to overcome those samskaras. So when you pull that arrow and you fire, there is no fear. Mm. You are fully in that moment. Mm. And that's the beauty. So if you're able to do the action without the negative samskaras affecting you and embracing it, you will find unconditional love and peace in that very moment. Mm. Krishna is not telling the Arjuna, you will win. Mm -hmm. you, might, you might lose, you might die. But if you embrace it fully through the techniques I'm teaching you, you will find peace in the journey. Mm. Another really important component, I think, of Krishna's teaching there to remove Arjuna's fear is this teaching of the birthless, deathless, eternal nature exactly. of the, the being. And, and, and this, I think, is like, well, very important in regards to that fear of death, you know? Yes. The, yes. The, the Yoga Sutras talk about that the fear of death exists even in the most wise. Yes. So we all have that fear of some way death, but also the fear of the loss of the ego. Yes. And if that can be removed, 
then there it sort of opens up a whole other kind of realm of existence. Yes. And as long as Arjuna is kind of, you know, sweating the small, the small stuff, you yeah. could say, you know, worrying about this being will die and it will be my fault and that will be the end of that yeah. being. And when Krishna says that being will not end in that moment, yes. Yes. then it's exactly. a whole other a whole other concept. And then if we take that metaphorically and we think about, as you said in the beginning, that those millions of, you know, armies of, of the enemy are, are not just the enemy, but also our own negativities, yes. the, the sort of delusional nature of the permanence of that, yes. you know, exactly. the, the sort of fear of losing the false self. It's like, well, who am I if I lose that? Well, this is all yes. I've known myself to be. Well, I've been this, you know, angry, anxious person, fears dominated my life. Well, who would I be without fear? It's that yes. step into the unknown which you only fear if you if you believe in the permanence of all that of all that false stuff that's it and it's like you know what is yoga if not grappling with these questions and internalizing it because mm -hmm. krishna says in chapter 2 verse 12 he says there was never a time when you did not exist mm -hmm. nor me nor any of these kings mm -hmm. nor will there ever be a time in the future when all of us shall cease to be mm -hmm. this one verse is a lifelong of meditation. Mm -hmm. To just to understand you are eternal is, a, is something that you can work your whole life to try and attain. Mm. And that's the beautiful thing about Vedic tradition because it emphasizes not just uh, a, a, an understanding from a mind level, but a deeper understanding, an internalization of it. Mm. In chapter 2, verse 29, Krishna continues and he says, some speak of the self as a wonder. Others see it as a wonder. Others hear of it as a wonder. But even after hearing of it, no one can truly understand it. Mm. Which means that if you try and approach it with the five senses, mm. you will not be able to perceive it. Mm. But if you try and go deeper within yourself, that in realization will free you mm. from not embracing action fully. Mm. And we spoke about this when we went for juice. You were mm. saying how when people come together in Ashtanga Yoga, there is some magic that happens mm. in that moment. Mm. It, it, it's felt. Absolutely. It's not something you see with your senses, yeah. but there's transformation that has happened. Oh, absolutely. E even there's transformation that doesn't make sense from the outside. So exactly. it's, this, it's this thing that doesn't make sense. If you perceive it only with your senses and your logical mind, yeah. then it seems to be, well, what's the, this is ludicrous. How can trying to put my leg behind my head at 4.30 in the morning possibly evoke some kind of spiritual transformation? This seems to just be a ticket to the emergency room, <laughs> you know? So instead there's, instead there's something else, yes. you know? The same thing with meditation, you know, from the outside looking in, it's like, well, we're just sitting there. Yes. The same thing even with chanting mantras. It's like, well, yeah. you're just saying the sound over and over again. Yeah. How is that benefiting every, anyone, including yourself? Certainly not your neighbors, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and so it's the, it is this idea of, 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 you know, pursuing study from a deeper place. Yes. Pursuing study from a deeper place. So for people that are starting off their journey and they think, I want to read the Gita, mm -hmm. Where should they start? Any translation, or do you have like a beginner's one that you could recommend um, for people? So, you know, of course, my teacher has given uh, a commentary on the Gita because we have to understand with the Gita, even with Sanskrit, any syllable in Sanskrit can be translated 27 different ways. Mm -hmm. So, even the transliteration, forget about the commentary, that can be translated difference depending on the Vedantic tradition you follow. Mm. So if you're more Advaitic, you're going to translate differently than Vishishta Advaita and so forth and so on. So I would say in the beginning, 
Approach it from a scholarly perspective, actually. Try and take a, a, a higher level overview of this, and you know you can. I think you can Google it on Amazon, and there's some scholarly perspectives mm -hmm. on the Gita. Mm. And once you've read it in that way, then say to yourself, you know, I want to approach it in a bhakti perspective. Mm. I want to see how it feels from a devotional perspective. Mm -hmm. From there, then you can purchase a book that's more bhakti oriented. Mm -hmm. But if you feel, you know, I want to analyze it more from a jnana or a oneness perspective. Mm -hmm then you can choose one in that way. Mm. So I would say, um, don't just take one book and say, that's it. Read different versions of it mm -hmm. and make it a lifelong practice, mm. approaching it through different lenses till you find one which you really want to go deep into and then be like the one that is with the bucket. Read it <laughs> 10 times and it will have an effect on you inside. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really, really important. Um, I think if we have time, if there are any comments or questions, not yet, that's okay. Well, I think we've been speaking for almost an hour yes. and time flies. So um, maybe we, you can let everyone know where they can find you. Oh, sure, sure. So um, yes, yeah, so I guess if you'd like to know more about sort of the life um, of a monk and, and the things that I'm doing, I'm on social media, Instagram, it's a Swami Chidananda. And I'm doing a little series just called The Path of a Swami, where I speak a bit about some of those experiences mm. that I've had uh, throughout uh, the time that I lived in the ashram. So if you like, it's, I think it's just on social media as well. So. Mm. And uh, when can they turn up in New York at the ashram? <laughs> uh, anytime, anytime. <laughs> the link is in social media. So uh -huh. if anytime they'd like to, to turn up, they can. Also, we'll be doing a yogic philosophy class to Om Stars. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be coming out in the next few months where uh, I'll speak about a lot of the concepts that mm. we have spoken about today. So thank you for hosting uh, those teachings in your platform. Really appreciate it as well. Of course. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you. It's been an honor. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.